to the Swamp Flicks Podcast. My name is Brandon Leday. I'm Brittany Lombas. I'm James Cohn. And I'm Hannah Rassinen. And this is the movie review website. Movie review what? <laughs> this is the podcast version of the movie review website. Swamp Flicks. Damn, it's been a minute since yeah. we've recorded. <laughs> We became a website this Halloween. <laughs> if anything, we're less of a website right. now than we ever have been before. Yeah. Like, I write less than I used to. Everyone else writes pretty much nothing except for <laughs> Boomer. And then I wrote y'all in like movie of the month once a month. But this is mostly a podcast at this point. Oh, I don't yes. know why I even say that at the beginning anymore. <laughs> uh, James and I both took vacations to other locations uh, since yeah. the last time we recorded. And I think we've seen the movies for this episode before those trips, so the details might be a little hazy. Uh, for some of them. Some of them? Okay. Yeah. All of them for me. <laughs> <laughs> this topic in particular, wow. I was like so into about two months ago, or a month and a half ago, and yeah, you know, since then, going on vacation and coming back to the world, so... Hopefully, I'm still fresh on some of these movies. And I'm curious what your like niche interest is right now. If we had to like catch up with you, where your brain's at. So the only I watched one movie while I was on vacation, which was almost two weeks, and it was Twister. <laughs> <laughs> and it was pretty good. I like Twister. It's a fun movie. Aren't they making a sequel to it? I hope Wasn't so. Wasn't that announced? What? I really or hope did. I so. dream that Twister I, Two Twisted. I mean, they definitely leave it open <laughs> as long as Helen Hunt and sequel. Bill Paxton are yeah. still yeah. on board. I remember going to Universal uh, around the time the movie came yes. out, and there was like a Twister experience. Yeah, where you like were in the Twister. And that was, was the like, thing. As I was watching, stuff. I was like, "Oh, I remember that from the ride. <laughs> yes. The cow and the, when the truck kind of barricades." If them you in. lived in like Kansas or something, and your like family member died in a, in a tornado, and you yeah. saw that in an amusement park, how how would you feel? I mean, Remember those like hurricane simulators they yeah, had? Yeah, like, it's the, the mall. same way I felt at the Clearview Mall yeah. when they would have Anger. the hurricane simulator. Right. Have you ever doing? seen anybody What's in like? one of those? No, yeah. it doesn't look fun. I would be so embarrassed to be in <laughs> right. one, though, where everybody watches right. me screaming. Yeah, because you're in this like glass case, which has been whipped around <laughs> by the, every by the wind. Shot. And especially Everyone where it used you. to be in the Clearview Mall was like in the abandoned food court. So, like, there's no one around. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? It was next to like an eye threading station. Yeah. 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 So you'd just be sitting in the eye threading station watching this person. Yeah. Someone getting their eyebrows threaded and someone eating a Subway sandwich just watching you. (laughs) I was sort of thinking about that while I was watching. It was like, they haven't really made a lot of hurricane movies in the same way. Crawl? The gator one? Oh, I guess so. But that was more of a gator. I, I guess the. Yeah, you're right. The more gator focused. Most hurricanes yeah. are just Hur- chock full of gators, though. <laughs> is that right? That's I don't remember that. Ninety <laughs> percent of just a hurricane a back, is a gator. Yeah. All about the gators. Twister is like something that I feel like we watched so much as a kid, and like just doesn't really get discussed anymore. But it was like a VHS classic. Like it was just like always on. It's time yeah. to talk about Twister. <laughs> I, I guess I, watching it again, I forgot how many fucking characters there are in the like. There's a lot. There's like 20 and they're all like these side actors or character actors that you've seen in a million things that have like a few scenes and they're all like really effective, but Mm -hmm. it's a lot of moving parts. And then you have the twister stuff, which is very entertaining and like the CGI holds up like kind of well, but certain scenes are like pretty bad with that, but it, it was pretty thrilling. 
How would you make a sequel to Twister? You just have to have a bigger Twister, right? Or well, like two Twisters. It's hard though because oh. they end on the F five, and the F five is as big right. as it gets. No, that's, so it would have to be like an F six. In like, ancient texts, there was oh. once an even stronger <laughs> Twister. Right. And it's like once every 1,000 years. Like th- with store movies, that's, oh, that's the only smart. way you can have a sequel. Is I like was it's thinking a, it's like bigger than right. one twister ends and then another begins after that twister. So it's like a double twister. Or what? like, right. what if they just keep popping up? And- like, right. Five F5s. Oh, that's gnarly. Yeah. I feel like I've seen that in the wrestling ring before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was like Googling. Because there's so much like terminology in the movie, and you're not clear like, is this actual mm-hmm. like storm chaser terminology, or are you just making this up? And it was like kind of 50 50. Oh, okay. So that was fun. And Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt are kind of a match because they're kind of equal <laughs> levels of attractive. Like, I don't, you know, Bill Paxton is, I guess he's attractive, older man, and Helen Hunt's attractive in her way. So it kind of wor- it works <laughs> in so, her way. I in have way, s- yeah. some information. This came out yesterday. Um, Twister sequel, Twisters, being developed <laughs> yes. at Universal with the Revenant screenwriter attached. The sequel will follow the child of Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton's characters. But they won't be in it. They have to be in it. Is Bill Paxton still alive? He's, he died. No, he's yeah. dead. No, Bill Paxton is alive. No, he's not. I'm sorry, but and you're hard. Dead. We, we talked yeah. about this. Oh, Bill Paxton yes, did die. Yes, we talked oh, no. about this. I get it confused with the Bill Pullman. Yeah, everyone does, yeah. Oh, yeah. But Bill Pullman's still alive. He is. Maybe yeah. he'll be in here to replace Bill Yeah, yeah I, I think they're interchangeable. What um, I'm hearing is they passed on my spec script for Twister Twister, where two twisters who <laughs> were sisters but grew up separately have oh, been God, reunited. <laughs> And they become an F6 twister. <laughs> that was a highlight in the movie where there's like, at one point, multiple twisters that are right. like hanging out together. I was like, is that a thing? And then apparently it's extremely rare. It's happened like yeah. once ever. Uh, it's a it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Maybe we can do like, an, when Twisters comes out, we can do like a an episode about like Twister and then other like weather movies maybe. I don't think we've ever done like a disaster movie episode. Yeah. Oh, we should. That'd they're kind of boring as a genre. Like they're always like really long and like mm-hmm. special effects focused and have like 30 characters in them. Yeah. Right. I guess that's how this was. But it could be fun, though. It was fun. Yeah. I, I like disaster baby. movies. Hannah, what have you been watching? Oh, I've been watching so many horror movies from the 70s and 80s. The one I want to talk about reminds me of one of the movies we're going to talk about today because it is set in a mental institution, and it's called The Other Side of the Underneath. And I I think I watched it. I can't remember where I watched it. It was either it was on YouTube or some other place. It was directed by Jane Arden in 1972. It was part of her. uh, She was part of a British film troupe called the Holocaust Theater Company. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of provocation in the film. So it's about these women that are diagnosed with schizophrenia and they're it's like kind of documenting their experience in the institution and the film has a lot of like physical representations of their inner mental state and then these interviews between the psychologist and the women and the 
kind of overarching one of the overarching ideas is that they are not schizophrenic but that they are like suffering from social malaise basically and like sexual oppression and just general oppression um and it was like it was very shrieky there was a lot of, I watched it with the captions. Um, there were a lot of music annotations that I thought were really funny, like strange music, eerie music, <laughs> uh, soft cello music, light cello music, somber violin music. <laughs> so that's the kind of movie it is. It was r- really like tonally strange. Like there were these very kind of intimate psychological discussions and like therapy sessions, and then these wild kind of theatrical representations of these women's imaginations there's this like kind of burlesque scene where this woman is stripping and she has like a a bald cap on and then she rips it off and she's like wiggling around there's there's oh there's a scene with a baby smoking a cigarette (laughs) um one of the notes i wrote um lots of screeching (laughs) i think i already said that so it was it was very interesting. I think it is there are parts of it that are a little dated for me like the the sanitarium is basically filled with like very beautiful slender white women. Um and there's one line in this conversation between the psychiatrist and or the psychologist and one of the women. She says, "Do you think there's an analogy between colonized people and women?" which is like has very much not like a you know like the implication is that those are two separate groups which yeah. is not you know so it's definitely like of the the time mm-hmm. it's like a feminist piece from the 1970s very much like centered in white kind of yeah. um political thought but i thought it was uh super interesting it's like not a fun movie but uh i don't know if anything in the description that I just gave is appealing, then, you know, yeah. you Did watch you describe it. that as a horror movie? So it was on a list by Richard Brody. Like, Richard Brody is the film critic for The New Yorker. And He's like he, a super contrarian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he made this list, and it was like, like my favorite horror movies. And he was like, I hate horror movies because i hate genre films <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like, a big galaxy brain critic yeah. like he like tries to outthink everybody right and i just really disagree with him so often but this was on his list of like these are the great horror movies that aren't about gore and guts and uh so th- and that was actually how i found it um so he describes it as a horror movie i guess i would disagree with him but it does represent some kind of like omnipresent social horror so it sounds like girl interrupted of its time or something yeah but probably artier and smarter than that. right it's very very arty you know it's it's got something for everybody (laughs) i guess a smoking baby (laughs) it was very i mean it was very cute and a bald cap instead of like a wig revealing the bald the bald revealing the hair i'm yeah super whips it off that's the other side of underneath right yeah the other side (laughs) of so the up the regular side the other, the other side, side of underneath under. would be this side oh. it's a very neurotypical thing to say james yeah. <laughs> i think the other side the other side of the underneath could be On if top? you're thinking of the underneath as the other then the other side of the underneath is the understanding of 
the underside. Oh, as, I get it. You know, the oh. other side of the issue of that's the right. Underneath. Maybe women aren't crazy. Oh, yeah. Whoa. That's that's the other side. <laughs> Whoa. Anyway, blowing your mind. Bill Paxton's dead. <laughs> women are uh, oppressed. Oh. I just keep I, picturing like a body in the ground and like where the other side of the underneath of the body would be. But I guess it depends on what you think the underneath is. Mm-hmm. What if you're underneath? Dude, I'm not <laughs> high enough for this conversation. I'm not high enough yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Brittany, what, yeah. have you, what have you been watching? <laughs> I've been watching a lot of horror movies too. Particularly catching up with like a lot of horror movies that came out this year that are on Shudder. Because there's a lot of 2022 horror I really like this movie called Sissy. Uh, it is this Australian horror movie about a group of gals. Oh, yeah. Ringing bells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like mm-hmm. they're at a hen's night and a lot of bizarre murders slash accidents happen. The main character is this influencer where she's, you know how like there are influencers who are like, I'm just here to like lead you to like healthy thoughts and help you like shake your depression and bad thoughts. Yeah, where like, they're like like wellness influencers. Wellness influencers yeah. where it's like, I'm not, you know, certified to do any of this, but I'm gonna do it. Well, that's our main character and she was bullied as like a, a preteen and as a teen and she had a really close relationship with her an ex-best friend. Like they were like really tight, super B- BFFs. And she runs into her like at a store and she's like, oh, we haven't talked in years. And, you know, let's hang out. And then they hang out and they kind of rekindle their friendship. And then she's like, I'm going to invite you to my hen's night. I'm getting married. And the there's one of the girls that shows up at her hen's night that was the bully of the main character. And it turns out that, well, I don't want to spoil it too much, but basically she's sort of trapped in this house in the woods at a hen's night with all these women. And they it, there's just a lot of tension and these like murders start to happen. Some are purposeful. Some like sort of happen accidentally but are also caused. I can't explain Sounds it. Sounds like a bodies, bodies, bodies. Yeah, totally. I haven't seen bodies, 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 but it's like funny, but it's so entertaining and it's so vivid. Oh, that's a hurricane just, horror too. Come to think of it. It is. Ooh, it's really fun to watch. So, um, I like that a lot. And I've, I finally got to watch Deadstream. Deadstream. Which is so good. Yeah. Sort of a, a live stream streamer going through a, a haunted house and it's wild. So you've seen it, Brandon? Yeah, that one and Mad God were like the best two movies I saw at Overlook this year. Nice. Yeah, Deadstream was, at first I thought it was going to be like super cheesy. And there are like aspects of it that are cheesy, but I screamed a crap ton while watching it. Yeah, the main character has that like Blue's Clues host style of like YouTube speak. And you're like, this is the most annoying motherfucker i've ever seen in a movie my entire life <laughs> but then he's trapped in a haunted house and keeps getting and scared by like really dis- ghoulish shit yes yeah. a disgusting haunted house yeah. like it is filthy and grimy and there's a lot of fingernail horror Ugh. which no, I, don't I don't like that or you know fingers and stuff like that 
it's pretty gross um and it just it doesn't end that's the thing is like every time you think like okay i think this guy's gonna make it out or i think he figured it out it just keeps getting worse and worse um so yeah those are kind of the two two cool horror movies that i've been watching deadstream has kind of stood out as like one of my favorite movies of the year still it's a very brandon movie yeah yeah got the well the live stream aspect like i'm like god you must have dug that because everyone sort of how do i explain it like there's um live commentary live commentary as like there's curses happening and Mm -hmm. people are like i just talked to my grandma and she said that symbol means this and this guy is sort of like piecing the puzzle together like with a gopro and reading all these like live comments yeah, it's, it's kind of like un- very uh, interactive kind of like unfriended with a little bit of like evil dead like 80s splat stick comedy there thrown you go. In there. yeah i'm doing a really bad job of describing no, no, what I don't this think is you about are. no <laughs> i think that'd be a great halloween night watch for anyone looking for like the fun mm. like horror movie from this year like i thought that was like it killed in the room everyone's laughing so much at like every joke and like i was very surprised by where it went yeah it's, it's great yeah cool brandon what have you been watching well, now that you mentioned two movies about social media influencers, I'm yeah. re- remembering that all of us watched that movie Medusa before we left oh, town. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which trying to remember now kind of feels like <laughs> trying to remember a dream I had two weeks ago. Like, Well, it's kind of a dream movie. Yeah. yeah. That's a Brazilian movie with like these yeah. like Christian girl gangs that are like beating women in the street that they think are like wanton and loose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the survivors of those beatings has been in a coma for like a decade. She comes back out and like possesses their bodies and turns them into like feminists. Uh, <laughs> that was a strange movie. Yeah. It it was very dreamy. It was gorgeous. Yeah. There were a lot of like like a lot of very intense like pinks and greens, like very stylized. Like the and the different spheres of the men and the women in the movie are very stylized there's these like warriors of christ these dudes that are just like constantly (laughs) doing like fight routines and then these there's the one influencer who has like a very pink room like her name is glittered all over her room and um and then that like area where they all meet together that kind of like almost concert hall uh very music video aesthetic yeah absolutely um and i think it opens with a music video mm-hmm. uh, someone's like watching it on the bus and it's like some weird like dance yeah bodies writhing around yeah That's yeah really cool i liked it it reminded me a lot of a lot of recent genre defiant movies from like south america like uh mm-hmm. baccarat or emma was really good yeah good manners is another one it's like really hard to pin down I don't know that it's my favorite one of those bunch, but I yeah. just kind of liked that like every 10 minutes I was like, I have no idea where what, this is going. What's, yeah. what's happening? <laughs> I think the end of it, my overall reaction was like, hmm. <laughs> like, huh. <laughs> Look at like, that. Look at that. <laughs> but like in a good way, I'm not yeah. trying to dismiss it. Like yeah. the visuals are very exciting. It's a mood. It's was, a mood. Yeah. I think I was a little sure. more into I just, I'm like absolutely a sucker for like mythology adaptations. Yeah. Like I love that shit so much and i also just really like listening to portuguese <laughs> and it's the whole movie is in portuguese they did a good job of like bringing in the like actual medusa mythology mm-hmm. without like overplaying it yeah absolutely all the snake iconography is in the like background graffiti right. and stuff and not like present on screen right so they're much. not constantly like 
And even like the fact that they didn't, you know, restate the Medusa myth, you right. know, yeah. it's just like it is kind of baked into the world that they're in. And that scene where she's like caking on that face mask and it's bright oh, green, yeah. like just those little touches were so um, pleasing. I have made, I think, a major discovery, though, since <gasps> since this last meeting. Um, last time we talked, we covered the Ice Cream Man, the uh, Clint Howard movie. And yeah, I we la- did. Lamented that. <laughs> There's like one big Clint Howard starring vehicle that I don't think is very good. And I was upset about it. And since then, I have found another horror movie starring Clint Howard that might be my favorite horror movie I've watched all month. Um, wow. It's called Evil Speak. And it is on Shudder. Have y'all heard of Evil Speak? No. no. Okay. So Clint Howard plays this um, military school kid who's bullied. And he finds this like Necronomicon type book uh, in the school's like church basement. And it has all these like Latin spells from this like Satanist who died centuries ago. And he translates the Latin on the school computer and the computer conjures the ghost of the devil uh, (laughs) and which possesses his body and gives him all these like powers to like smite his bullies. Wow. It's one of those movies that like you think you know how far it can go. You're like, Okay, I, I get like this like bullied kid gets his revenge on his like evil schoolmates. Like I kind of get where this is going. I, I understand the parameters of mm-hmm. like what this movie can achieve. Once he like is possessed by the satanic Esteban, uh, and the computer graphics from the early eighties are like overtaking the screen like mm-hmm. th- through the sorcery like that. This movie becomes so fucking gory and like <laughs> visually upsetting. It's just like wild hogs that start invading the school and like ripping people limb from limb um the christ statue in the church like comes to life and like the um nails from like christ's wrist like shoot into like people's skulls uh and clint howard's just hovering above people with this giant satanic sword and like decapitating kids and like one of the reasons i want to bring it up is because it actually ended up on the video nasties list uh oh really for its gore which I never would have expected based on the first, I want to say, 40 minutes to an hour of it, where I felt like I had a handle on like how safe the violence was going to be. Um, and it really is not that. It's a really nasty movie with like a nice. unassuming setup. Um, it sounds amazing. I loved it. You sold me yeah. so hard. I just <laughs> added it to my watch list. Evil speak. Yeah. Evil speak. Damn. Also, just the descriptor visually upsetting is really great. <laughs> And we are talking about the video nasties list in general today, so I felt like I had to bring it up, even if I wasn't that excited by it. Yeah. Um, but by the end, I was like cheering pretty much. <laughs> uh, I want to say that and Doctor Giggles are like the two, like actual October discoveries I've had this month, where I was like, oh yeah, this is like fantastic stuff. Today we're talking about really upsetting shit, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about movies that were illegal to rent on video in Britain in the 1980s. The infamous video nasties. Um, but I think we all picked movies from the 1970s because they were banned before video was even a thing. And then they were banned a second time. <laughs> right. Which is funny. Some of these were like banned in Britain for theatrical releases and then somehow slipped in mm. through like video. The whole history of the video nasties is pretty interesting. And we'll talk about that. And all that's coming up to you 
right now. You have been warned is the message to video retailers from the Director of Public Prosecutions. If you stock any of the 62 titles on a list circulated by Scotland Yard, you could end up in court. We certainly saw in 1982 a series of videos which depicted uh, mutilation, it depicted death, it depicted violence, which we felt enough was enough and took action to stop the growing spread of this form of violence. Respectable video traders have long been pushing for some indication of what they can and cannot safely offer the public. It will now show us what our members can stock, what they cannot stock. This has been something we've been wanting now for two, two and a half years. It's varied from area to area. We've had various members going to prison on offences. We've had people being under the threat of prosecution for various other offences. Hopefully now uh, we'll know what is right and what is wrong. Yes, we welcome it. The list doesn't solve everything. Shops like this make sure they only stock videos that have passed the film censors. But some of those now blacked have already been shown legally at public cinemas. If video retailers stock them, though, they can still be prosecuted. It's hoped such anomalies will disappear when the new video recordings bill becomes law later this year. Then, in the same way that there are age and other restrictions on who can see what in the cinema, the distribution of videos will be much more tightly controlled. Well, so it is October. It's spooky season. It's Halloween. I recently discovered the British video nasty list. And this is going back about a month and a half ago. But I had in my mind, like, I'm going to watch all of these movies that were banned by the British censors. And honestly, after about 20, I think I maybe watched 25 to 30 of them. I kind of got over it. Because this list of movies is all over the place. I mean, you have some like Nazi exploitation, softcore porn. You've got high art weirdo stuff like Possession. You've got your Grindhouse, Italian cannibal films. It's kind of runs the gamut. And what I've been finding really interesting about this list, which came about because in the early 80s, you know, video was kind of this new medium. And I guess in America, cable television was a thing before video rental was. Whereas my understanding in Britain, the video rental came first. And so it kind of became this haven for films that were originally struck down by the censors, couldn't make it into theaters, but they can make it into your local video store. And because of the Margaret Thatcher era and conservatism, there was this uproar about like, oh my God, like, do you know what your kids are watching? They're watching Cannibal Holocaust. It was also like that satanic panic thing where like they were linking real life news stories about axe murders to these movies and mm-hmm. saying that the movies yeah. were inspiring violence. And, and apparently it didn't take much to end up on this list. Like it could really just take a complaint by a single parent that was like... Uh, my kids saw this and it looked pretty messed up. Like you should put it on the video nasty. So it's like this list of, I think I've seen varying lists, but it's about 72. Yeah. That's the original list. Yeah. Original. And I think it's expanded and contracted over time. But the first thing I found interesting about it is like, why Britain? Like I think of Britain as being pretty liberal compared to the U S but not necessarily when it comes to horror films. Like I was reading a little bit 
on the history of it. And I think Britain was a big proponent of like striking down early horror films. Like Britain has always kind of had a, like a shying away from violence and disgusting. It's because of Jack the Ripper, maybe. Maybe. Or like seeing themselves. (laughs) They never healed. Right. (laughs) Like seeing themselves like a little, like more artsy. Well, and they, they have different like free speech considerations than the U S too. And that's like freedom of expression is not, not, you know, considered in the same way legally. Yeah. I, I don't think of Britain as being more liberal than us. I think of us as being pretty parallel. And I think like the US found like more backhanded ways to essentially ban this stuff without actually doing it. So like we can pretend that we have like freedom of speech, but if you put an X rating or an NC seventeen rating on these movies, then like it might as the well. major distributors like Blockbuster and Walmart won't carry the movie without edits if they carried it at all. Yeah. So like it's effectively banned for like most of the country unless you live in like New York City or, you know, somewhere analogous. So it's it's not yeah. like we're any better about it. It's just like we have these like sort of like soft ways of banning stuff and like we get to pretend that we have like free speech when really it's like these like corporations are in control of that. Well, and I think in the early 80s in Britain it was kind of the wild west where the censors weren't really focusing on the video market and major studios weren't pushing like stuff out onto video. If it was like 1982, like you couldn't really get ET on video. You know what I mean? Like it would have to be something more underground. And so you had all sorts of like nefarious nasties that were (laughs) I Funny. love that word. Yeah, nasty. Nasty. No, and also like <laughs> the nasty term comes from, I guess, like old pulp books in Britain that were really scandalous, like meant to be read out loud, kind of just like dirty magazine type stuff. Yeah, just the word nasty is like hot. To, you know, yeah. it's like yeah. a cool, like, ooh, and it nasty. makes you want, and that that's what's yeah. titillating about it. Is ooh. like you read the list, of like, ooh, the video nasty. Yeah. What like, a nasty little film! Every, yeah, and I've got to reason, watch these. The word nasty, like, do y'all associate like images with words? Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. I always see a butt crack, <laughs> <laughs> a sweaty one, a sweaty ass crack. Yeah. Every time I hear the word nasty, <laughs> the song "Nasty Nasty Boy" plays. Oh, the Janet Jackson nasty one. boy. Yeah. I wish I. Had that sweaty ass crack. (laughs) There were like the initial 72 movies that were like pre-banned. You know, like they were like banned because of their initial release in the 70s. They were already like struck down by censors for various reasons. But I feel like maybe even with the second and third waves of these lists, like distributors who were putting these movies on video were specifically trying to get them labeled as nasties like mm-hmm. as a marketing tool yeah so like if you have this like cheap grindhouse movie that you bought in a lot with like 12 other films then you just throw a chainsaw or an axe on the cover and like that's enough to trigger a ban yeah mm-hmm. to trigger to get on the list because even watching these movies today like i think there's i want to say one of them that is kind of surprising that it got treated like the other three like I think there's like mm-hmm. various levels of actually offensive. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the censors weren't really paying that much attention to the actual content. It's more about the video cover and like the marketing than it is. Uh-huh. About yeah. The a lot movies. of it had to do with the video cover or even the title. Like just having cannibal in the title was enough. Mm-hmm. But, but on the other side of it, you had a lot of films that were actually truly fucked up that were 
sliding under the radar. <laughs> and like, that's what's True. so fascinating. Like, how did this end up on the list? Was it the cover? Was it the title? Was it that five second scene that went mm-hmm. a little too long? Right. And there was no clear process for like finding out what is a nasty. And yeah. I'm always interested in people censoring stuff that they're not even interested in. Like the satanic panic when people were banning heavy metal and Iron Maiden records when they don't even listen to Iron Maiden. Yeah. It's like, like, why do you give a shit? Like old white dudes banning horror films that like young, you know, renegades are into. But wasn't there like, at least with some of these films, um, I know that like censors did watch them to cut scenes out of it. It was like, you know, like you read the history of that film and it's like this was released with like five seconds of this scene and 20 seconds of this scene cut out. Or it's like it was put on the list because of this and this and this. So it it wasn't always just like, oh, you know, this is a gross cover. It's like people were watching these films to find moments that needed to be cut out before they could be released. But I don't think they're very movie literate people. No. Yeah. Yeah. There's that movie Censor. Censor, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. where it's just like, you know, it's like you're put in front of the film. You're you're looking for some kind of graphic content and making kind of an arbitrary decision but it's no different than the mpaa right in america they sit there and like no you gotta smoking those like 10 seconds of that sex scene or it's another corporate (laughs) thing too where like people can afford to get better ratings from the mpaa or there's a threshold to get your movie distributed in the first place where like submitting your movie to the mpaa costs money Mm -hmm. so like smaller movies can't even afford to get rated so that like an amc or a regal can distribute them yeah yeah Uh, so it's like an, another barrier for like independent filmmaking to actually make it in front of people's eyes. And it's it's just ridiculous that like something like possession is lumped in the same category as yeah. cannibal holocaust in the first place. Like this Madness. is obviously people who don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's why this list if you just scroll through it is very interesting cuz it's all over the map. And I There's think, a lot of vile shit on there. Though. No, and there <laughs> and there is and like a lot of griminess. Yeah. And like I said, yeah. like I I've watched enough of them to know what I don't care for and what I steer away from Mm -hmm. like anything to do with the softcore Nazi porn is pretty reprehensible (laughs) like Isla she wolf of the Nazi Reich or whatever yeah and it's like love camp 73 it's like it's not even like as offensive as it really sounds it's just pretty bad and there was that little part of me that again we talk about this a lot but back in college where we would go to major video and go to the cult section. And it was a lot of these Mm -hmm. where the cover just screams at you. Like, I dare you to watch me. And so I was like, it was fascinating to go back into that, that mind frame and kind of delve into some of these movies. And I I think the ones we picked are kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. And the one I picked is the only one on this list. The reason I picked is because it was banned for language. They say that there's one scene or oh, two sure. that are like they would have been banned anyway. Sure, the language is the language is rough though. Very it's rough. rough. Yeah. Um, so it's from 1990. Oh, sorry, 1977, called "Fight for Your Life," uh, directed by Robert Indelson, who only directed one or the one other movie. I think it was called "The Filthiest Show in Town." Ooh. So he obviously has something on his. <laughs> I believe him. On yeah. his brain. What a dirty dude. 
<laughs> it's a really nasty grindhouse exploitation home invasion thriller very racial like basically any racial epitaph that you could think of to call a black person is used in this movie it's essentially like this redneck who's on the run he escapes prison with a mexican and an asian so you uh, can throw in some more racial epithets like sure yeah yeah bonus um, yeah, he's global. A, it's a global picture. Yeah, he's global. Jesse Lee Kane, and he uh, does a home invasion on this very nice middle class Christian black family, and a large part of the movie is him terrorizing them with the worst language you can use towards black people, like forcing them to do a jig, uh, a fake, like a lynching going on. Whatever vile shit you can think of to do to black people, this movie does it, and it's it's reprehensible. And yet, I say that, and I found myself oddly fascinated with this movie for one big reason, is that the reason I watched it in the first place is apparently Quentin Tarantino owns, <laughs> I know, Quentin Tarantino <laughs> owns a copy of it, and he's done screenings, and it seems like something Tarantino would love. Mm-hmm. Um but I was, as I was watching, I was thinking about all the movies, modern movies that have dealt with race, whether it's, you know, Get Out or even something as lame as like Green Book, which, I, you know, the way that modern movies talk about racism is very different than the way they talked about racism in the 70s. And this is like, I don't know if this is the director's intent, but watching this movie to me was like a slap in the face of like, this is the worst that racism has to offer. Like there are racism is not subtle all the time or like microaggressions or sometimes it's like these people fucking are redneck pieces of shit and they hate you and they want to kill you. Yeah. And there was something sort of refreshing about like dropping all pretenses of kindness you know, I don't, again, I don't know if that's the director's intent with this movie, but this is like a real hard watch. And I, I don't know how y'all, like, I'm sorry I made you watch it because <laughs> it's tough and yeah. it's like hurtful to hear these words, but these are the words that it's people realistic. speak. It's realistic. I think yeah. the behavior is repugnant, but I don't think the movie is condoning it. No, yeah, no. I didn't feel like that either. You know, well. Just to say, I, I watched this while it was airing out in my house with my windows open. Ooh. And then I was like, oh, gotta cl- <laughs> I better close it up now. Gotta shut down the shame hole. <laughs> right. I was like, no, I'm sorry. Um, but no, I, I kind of thought that too. Like at first, it was it was so intense. And I'm like, whoa, 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 this is a lot. But I'm like, I've heard people say this in real life. Yeah. So I know these people exist, but they're not rep like assholes like this guy are not represented in film when they exist. Yeah. For the most part, you know, a lot of it, it's like very like, oh, you know, someone's making a backhanded comment or they're saying the N word. I'm like, no, people are like totally disgusting like that. So it was very in your face and it made me feel uncomfortable, but I feel like it was purposeful. Yeah. And I think that's the line it kind of walks is like is this racist or is it like an objective look at racism and i yeah with modern eyes it's pretty like blurry as to where the line is i don't think the world needed like a black exploitation version of like last house on the left but 
it exists. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like I, don't, I don't know that like this was a necessary movie to make in any way. I don't think mm-hmm. it's like enlightening or like good morality in any way. Like, like uh, the overall point isn't so much like that racists exist and they're gross. Mm-hmm. It's more like in order to combat that kind of evil, you also need to like commit heinous acts. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, a lot of like Martin Luther King versus Malcolm, Malcolm X, X. And yeah. it's like, do you like, yeah. you know, pacifism or civil disobedience versus like kind of violent uprising? And that's where I like thought the most thought provoking elements were was like they're a good black Christian middle class family that is promoting nonviolence. But when someone's at your doorstep literally wanting to kill you what do you do? Like, and Malcolm X would say, you have to meet violence with violence. And he eventually yeah. came around to like the more nonviolent um, attitude, but that is a debate. Like, how do you deal with racist people oh. that want to commit violence against you? I will say where it made me most queasy. was like where you draw the line, which I guess is like kind of the point, uh, which is like, yeah. you know, this guy keeps pushing this family and like making them do more and more like vile yeah. racist shit. And then, it's when he like rapes his daughter mm-hmm. and it's like, now you have to stand up as a man and like defend your right. family now that your daughter's been assaulted. And I was like, okay. Th- th- like that's the part where I'm like, okay, I'm like losing the thread of what you're trying to say here. What got me to like, to your point, I was reading an interview with the director, like one of the only interviews he's given from prison. I hope Yeah. <laughs> 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 they asked him like, um, so, you know, did you have a message with this movie? He was like, no, you know, I'm a filmmaker and I just like was making a movie for the audience to enjoy. I'm Bullshit. like, Bullshit. What? Yeah, like, that made me think twice. Like, wait, you had no political message with this movie yeah. at all? Like, it made me kind of second guess myself or about like, I just the deeper. Entertain people. Yeah. Right. Holy it's, it's, I thought like, they would like it. I just want right. to entertain the crowd. I'm like, what? Like, because yeah, I thought parts of it were thought provoking, but it is like, a vile movie. I mean, yeah, but is it art? Is it like worthy of us even talking about it? You know, or was he just trying to like freak everyone out and piss everyone off? Because I mean, there's other stuff that kind of happens where like, you know, a gun's like pointing at a baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A kid is like bashed in the head to death. Yeah. In the yeah. woods, That's the and you watch like, it. This would have been abandoned no matter what. Yeah. Right. Like, Provocation. All these little parts where it's like, how how far to the edge can I get? We're also yeah. throwing in the other like the Asian and the Mexican yeah. guy that are also but unaware of the bigotry of the guy they're with. It's like I wouldn't say they're unaware. Maybe they're like they, yeah, they, they yeah. rush for his gun a couple of times every time he like points his like racism at them, but true. Yeah. They they do tolerate him. But yeah. maybe there's a again like is there a point I to think that? The, like, the argument against it is like the same thing as I spit on your grave. Like yeah. that is a feminist movie, I guess, in that she like gets her revenge on her rapist, but like it's also an excuse to show the rape for like the hour before that right. happens. Yeah, so much true. of the movie is fixated on the abuse. But I never like in Spit on Your Grave, mm-hmm. I got the sense like it is fixated on the rape. And in this one, I'd never got the sense of like we're supposed to be getting kicks off. No, of it's the just race. uncomfortable. It's a little different. Yeah. And also like the police aspect of it. Like I'm still confused on what 
that all means like i love that uh, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah like there's like 20 cops surrounding this house and they're not doing anything well yeah. they don't want to rush yeah, in in case the, the guy shoots the kids well, or whatever. sure but they're just like oh gotta stand back well, well and if. then it's yeah it's that guy he's like there's some hierarchy of like morality and like the third or the fourth level is like you follow the law basically and uh-huh. that that guy that police officer is the personification of that like ah he stepped out of line with the law and then he like hears what's happening in the house and he ascends to the next layer of justice of Whoa. like like we will you know they're getting their justice so to yeah. speak and will keep our people back there's a power shift in the house where like yeah. the family overtakes the invaders right yeah and the cops kind of wait to let them get their revenge mm-hmm. before rushing yeah. in right which i i think is a pretty good indication of or at least a um a good point in the movie's favor of where its yeah, morality yeah. is it's like the the feeling that the cops will allow them to get their revenge before swooping in That's is yeah. like Supposed mm-hmm. to be a feel-good, rousing moment. Right. Yeah, I just wish that they would have gotten more comeuppance. Cause yeah. Because we see the family terrorize for so long, and then the comeuppance yeah. is like a short little That's the blip. I spit on your grave problem. I really enjoyed yeah. when the dog peed on his face. <laughs> that yeah. was great. Fuck yeah. Oh, I was like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah, and I was really glad they did not kill the dog. Because I thought it was going to happen. He was just happen. in the pantry. <laughs> yeah, just hiding in the pantry, waiting to pee. So, well... One good thing I think I enjoyed about this movie was the grandma character. Oh, she! Yeah. I loved great. her. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she was um, she was spicy and awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought like all the whatever this movie was shot in like ten days on one location with no budget, but like I thought the actors really brought it. Yeah, the main guy's got some big Brad Dourif energy. Yeah, he was scary and. Apparently he's gone on it. Like he did a nice little career for himself and like bit parts here and huh. there. But yeah, the grandma character was a standout. And yeah. like, I thought the kind of patriarch of the family was very strong. And I mean, they brought a lot to the material. I guess the real question is how much of a stomach do you have for yeah. this sort of thing? I will say like another way they kind of complicate it too is um, in the lead up to the overthrow there are ways that it makes the potential racists in the audience uncomfortable as well with a lot of like racial mixing stuff yeah so like there's a there's a dead son character whose girlfriend is white oh, and yeah, like yeah. for dinner and the uh, youngest child is like goes through this like blood brothers ritual with his like white friend in the woods <laughs> yeah hot dog yeah <laughs> so like hot dog friend they do a lot of like intentional racial mixing to like kind of like bait the other side of the issue i guess if you want to call like hatred of an entire group of people a political issue (laughs) yeah uh and i I do think there is something cathartic about seeing all that stuff like really on the surface honestly i do think most racism is more of the subtle systemic stuff that you were talking about earlier and like well and the, the thing i was thinking about with that is like in the 70s like the 60s and the 70s it was more overt and over time that's become like less socially acceptable at least in public and so it's kind of morphed into this like more subtle pernicious version of racism and then it's like okay how do i have the language to talk about what i'm experiencing if it's not like people hurling slurs at me so i i think that art about that version of racism is also like pretty valuable. Yeah. I I guess the problem is like when you see someone who's this 
overtly racist, you can be like, well, that's not my problem. Like, right. I'm Exa- not that no, guy. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, so if I'm not this, then I'm totally I'm fine. fine. Yeah. Whereas like uh, if you see yeah. your behavior mimicked in a way that's hurting people and it's like to you, that's just kind of everyday stuff. You're like, ah, oh, maybe being a vicious like loud racist is not the standard you I know mean, for I, i've seen it from both sides like i've definitely seen the like get out the like liberals that secretly have some racial feel and but i also like have family that live in georgia and the deep oh, south yeah. that have overly right. said half of the words that i heard in this movie in casual conversation at the dinner table so like to me this was like talking about them like it's almost like getting into the minutiae we've like abandoned this aspect of right. it. Right. And that so there's something still exists. Yeah, there's something like a raw nerve there that like kind of been like ignored for a while. So it's like cathartic in that way. Yeah. Uh I don't I don't know that I needed to see this. Though, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, like I don't know that it improved my life in any way to have like gone through this experience. But I also feel that way about most home invasion mm-hmm. movies. Like, yeah. It's not my genre. But if you were like a British censor in the early 80s... I would have been offended. Wouldn't, wouldn't you have been offended? Like, that's how yeah. I felt watching. I was like, man, if I was like the one that had to decide what's a video nasty in the early 80s, like put that one on yep. the list because this is pretty fucking... <laughs> it's 40 hot. years like later. A, a million reasons to put it on the list. Yeah. <laughs> it's 40 years later and I'm offended now. I was like watching it with my jaw dropped like the whole time. I was like, this is... But I think that's why I wanted you guys to watch it because, like, I was truly offended. (laughs) I was truly offended. And yet, like, I thought it had some weird artistic merit. Maybe I didn't need to see it. Yeah. But interesting. Like, yeah, yeah. I (laughs) I don't know. I get, I get, here's my dividing line. The original negative of this, of this movie was ruined in Hurricane Sandy in New Jersey, like 10 years ago, in the director's basement. Is that a great loss to art? I don't think so. I think I think the like shitty 480p on YouTube quality that we have right now is like fine for this type yeah, of film. Yeah. Like I it don't need like a better. 4K restoration. Yeah, <laughs> a Blu-ray release. Don't look in the basement. The makers of Last House on the Left warn you again. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. The line between sanity and madness can be crossed in a single step. And with this step, you enter the nightmare world of terror. The film that I selected for our video nasties is Don't Look in the Basement from 1973, also known as The Forgotten, also known as Death War number 13. Ooh, wow. Right? That's a good title. <laughs> Death War number 13, uh, I have, I don't get um I love that all these nasties have at least like yeah. three titles, trying sometimes to sneak them in. six, seven. <laughs> right. They're trying to catch everyone. How do you market test that? This. I do feel like Don't Look in the Basement is probably the worst title for this 
movie. Like yeah. it doesn't communicate there anything about what the movie is. is. A, 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 a basement for like a few seconds and it's kind of meaningless. Yeah. Also, once you get down there, what am I supposed to do? Not look? Like you're right. taking me down <laughs> well, there. Well, she right. should have looked I'm, in the basement. She should have looked much she earlier. She should have yeah, yeah. way please earlier. Look please, the please, for the love of <laughs> the God, first, look like, in the basement. If you looked in the basement in the first five <laughs> it minutes, been over. it wouldn't have been a movie. <laughs> Right when you look at the cover of this movie, it's like a a woman, kind of her shadow, and you're looking to her from like you're in the basement looking up at her, Mm -hmm. and it looks super scary. So you're like, man, there's like some weird shit going on in this basement. It's gonna be the plot, and on the um on the film poster and in a lot of advertising for the film, it mimicked uh, Last House on the Left, where it's like, just keep telling yourself. It's just a movie. It's just a movie. Yeah, they just it's ripped just off their own marketing. <laughs> so they're so trying to scare the piss out of you, and you're like, man, there's ghouls in the basement or something. <laughs> and um, it, there's not, obviously. We know this. But um, well, this film, I, I picked it because I watched it a lot in high school. What? Really? <laughs> That's Sorry. insane. That's a twist. That's a crazy thing to say. I love it. We had a, um, in Homa at the mall, there was a store called Soundstage, I think, and they had like used CDs and DVDs. And there was this DVD set called Evil Places that came out in like the early 2000s where they just took a shit ton of cheap, crappy movies and put like 50 of them in this like set for like $20. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Amazing. um, I bought it with my allowance and for some reason i really liked this movie and me and my high school best friend watched it a ton and i don't know what that says about me as a person (laughs) i'm sorry i I liked it so well yes so let's talk a little bit about don't look in the basement so it was directed um by sf brownrig it's obviously if you can't tell by the way i've been describing it so far it's a low budget horror movie cool fun fact is there was a sequel that came out yes! in 2013 what? directed by his, his son. son yeah like that's a legacy s- sequel yes <laughs> we watched the trailer on amazon no and it, yeah it looked, it looked so it, <laughs> it looked, looked really bad, bad. Okay. It looked really but bad. i want to see it i mean yeah. i have to just for right, the completest than me i and i hope that the grandson makes the third one like i just hope they <laughs> right. keep they keep it in the right. Brownrig family. Yeah, there's going to be uh, Don't Look in the Basement 5, like, decades from now. I know. God, what a time to be alive. Um, so this film takes place at a sanitarium in the woods where there's a doctor, um, Dr. Stevens, and he runs this place. And his method for treating folks with mental illness is to be like, I am going to promote acting out your false realities as much as possible. And you know what? You're probably going to snap out of it at some point and you'll be cured. Also, I'm going to give you an ax to like, yeah. tie yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> right. And hey, everyone just roams freely throughout yeah. this no, building. No locks yeah. in the doors. No locks. It's a it's an open environment. So the thing about this movie is there is a massive cast, but this film does such a like really good job at making all these characters memorable because for the first like, you know, 40 minutes or so, like not a whole ton of stuff is happening, 
but it's still inner like personally i found it to be like entertaining because like we're getting to know like this group of folks at the sanitarium so we've got dr stevens um who dies by one of his patients where he's like yes yes judge so there's a character called judge and he just like does courtroom talk throughout the whole the whole <laughs> the whole movie and he's sort of like using this axe as a gavel and he gets a little uh wild with it and accidentally kills dr stevens um so rest in peace dr stevens he dies real early <laughs> but then we have dr masters we'll come back to her later so she's another doctor at the sanitarium uh nurse charlotte is this nurse that dr stevens hired who's like new bright face bushy tailed coming through to work at the sanitarium and we've got <laughs> harriet who's a patient she's obsessed with this like baby doll sam who's this lobotomized uh guy who's very childlike and just sucks on popsicles and plays with the toy boat allison is this nymphomaniac we have jennifer who's like this antisocial girl that reminds me of the grudge a little bit and like the ring like those types I of like characters Jennifer. jennifer's great danny is she your favorite i don't know i just <laughs> like i'm related to jennifer <laughs> I, I liked the nymphomaniac i thought I, she yeah, was cool i like michael clark duncan or... <laughs> that's a different movie no no, no but but it was the right. same sort of yeah, character, yeah. you know what i mean like, yeah so <laughs> I just re- really related to Jennifer. So we, it sounds like we've got know? the Jennifer Allison fan going. Yeah. 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 Allison They're was good. great. Team Allison. Hashtag. <laughs> um, Danny you is this me. obnoxious like prankster. Oh, he's the Danny's the worst. He's the worst. I hate him. Uh, yeah, so he was objectively <laughs> awful. If you're team Danny, my apologies. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, if you're team Danny, get the fuck out. Yeah. Um, Sergeant, who's a veteran Boo. and my favorite. It was just Mrs. Cunningham. Oh, Mrs. Cunningham was the oh, best. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was the best. She is the best. I agree. So Nurse Charlotte comes and Dr. Masters is like, you know, I didn't know you were coming. Dr. Stevens didn't tell me. And she's sort of hiding Dr. Stevens's dead body somewhere in the sanitarium. I don't know. Maybe in the basement. Maybe in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler, don't look down there. So there's sort of these small little things that start happening throughout the sanitarium once Nurse Charlotte gets there, where I do want to talk about Nurse Charlotte for a little bit, because when she first kind of comes onto the the screen, we're thinking, um, one would assume like, oh, this is going to be like the main character, but we don't, she doesn't do anything. <laughs> the main character to me is kind of, I think it's Sam. In mm-hmm. this film where yeah, the film focuses agree. the most on him. Yeah. But Nurse Charlotte, like... I don't know what her job is, but she just, she does like rounds and doesn't really do anything. And then she takes like inventory of like a medicine cabinet that's the size of a shoebox with like 10 pill bottles every day. And she's like, yeah, it looks good. Um, So why would you ever agree to work in a sanitarium where there's no locks in the doors? I have a theory. Up there with the Okay. That actually is not like in a lot of hospitals there are like the doors themselves aren't locked like because patients aren't you can't have people being able to lock themselves in rooms but, but normally you, there there are barriers between like nurses stations yeah, you wouldn't and, stay up yeah. in the top floor with the other well, patients without locks right. I, I, I don't know i have a theory about that okay well, i think she's a patient no she's not <laughs> they they do 
allude to that, that maybe she's a They try to tell her she's one. But, but she's like, not. The doctor who is like the actual doctor acknowledges that she's right. coming to work there. Um, but she's know. not the actual. But sorry, she's the, the doctor. Well, yeah, Dr. Masters no, ends no, up being that, a patient. The, the man who is axe murdered and is the doctor. At yeah, the, at Dr. The, Stevens. Dr. Stevens. He acknowledges that she is coming to work. Right. To work. But what if yeah. it's part of his treatment where he's like, I want everyone oh. to think that she is this nurse because when she comes here, I want her to be this nurse. Like, why would she come in the woods and like she's kind because, of shitty at her no, job? Because, well, she doesn't get any real guidance on what she's supposed to be doing because because no the person that she everyone's is, patient yeah i mean yeah. his whole thing is like he's this experimental yeah. like psychologist psychiatrist and he's doing these experimental therapies and she's like yeah i just really want to work under him and like he has all of these so i, I get the rationale for her isn't like, she also there. an investigative journalist am i misremembering no. that okay never no. mind ignore that but i almost wait i don't know about that i, I was i must but remember i almost thought for a while like is dr stevens a patient too like are they all just patients? They're all patients. It's a patient-owned right. facility. I, came across I mean, that somebody theory, would like, need to be able to like purchase. Someone would need to have a DAA license for they, the drugs maybe that they, they have. Maybe they got murdered a long time ago, and now it's just the inmates running the asylum. And then they would like, run out of ketamine. Yeah, who's giving this medicine? Sorry. No, you're fine. Your... We can go deep with this. Whether or not he was actually an accredited doctor, I do think Dr. Stevens was like holding it together. He was the glue. Yeah. Because yeah. once he's in the basement, um, things really <laughs> fall apart. Yeah. He, pretty he, quickly. Well, and then <laughs> start to fall Yeah. Apart. And then there's the nurse in the beginning who's like, Dr. Stevens, this place is a shit show. Like, I'm fucking leaving. You're right. And yeah. she's like, I can't. Like, she basically like, she has um what they call in the healthcare field. Uh, burnout. burnout. <laughs> She's like, I need to get this out of is, here. This is some bullshit. Do you think this would have been a better movie if she were an investigative journalist? Maybe I was like, <laughs> that would have been like she's trying to like adding I an mean, extra that layer. Definitely there. was a thing. That would have been great. Like, were, Maybe I it happens forgot, in the second movie. I forgot who it, who it was, <laughs> but somebody sequel. did that. Like they were an investigative journalist, and they went in. And they were committed to a sanitarium to like do some recon, and then they were. It was like they couldn't leave right. because no, they, that's a isn't that a true story? Yeah, though? that yeah. is no, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, this is also a true story. Um, I lied. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there's a lot of like small things that happen. Like Miss Cullingham, quote unquote, rips out her own tongue. The nurse that we were talking about earlier that's about to leave, like she gets killed by one of the um, one of the patients. And I don't know. It's it's slow moving, but it's it's very entertaining. And there's something that, like, I realized on this recent watch that really stuck with me is the poem that Miss Collingham says, like, 80 times, mm -hmm. which is like, up the airy mountain, down the rushing glen, you can't go hunting because of little men. That is exactly what that creepy guy outside of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory tells Charlie <laughs> in that movie. And that movie, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, is 1971. So I love to think that this uh -huh. influenced Don't Look in the Basement. Um, that's how they're related. If and maybe she's trying to she's trying to tell Miss Charlotte, like, you're you're going into the factory. You're going to the factory. The Wonka factory. <laughs> she heals um very quickly from ripping her tongue yeah. out. Um it happens in minutes. <laughs> yeah, she's basically fine. 
<laughs> the next day. You say a lot of little things happen in this, and I don't think of this as a movie where things happen. I think of this as like a collection of characters. Yes. Yes. And it's like a very specific type of horror movie that's hard to pinpoint, but like I think of them as like isolated family horrors. So like mm, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is probably the most popular one. But uh, Spider Baby is another one. Mud Honey. But just like these families that have been left alone in isolation yeah. just become total yeah. fucking weirdos. And we're there with them. Like we never left the sanitarium either. Well, yeah, but you do have like one outsider character who walks in from like normal life and guy. is just like, what the what fuck the have y'all this? devolved yeah. into? Yeah. Oh, and they kill him. It's a little different in this case, though, because in those movies usually it's just like a house like in the wilderness or something but like in this case it's in a sanitarium so like it makes sense that everyone's crazy so it's like slightly redundant yeah but it just reminded me of like these other types of movies like yeah the the vibe of this too was like very much like your local theater group it's like you got the best local actors you could and you let them chew up the scenery and like that's what i liked most about the movie was i thought everybody like kind of did their thing gave as far it as their all gave it their all and like really like went into their characters and like you know i i thought yeah. that was like pretty inspiring because it was obviously on a very low budget on a single location kind of like we're talking about fight for your life but like mm-hmm. they really like went balls to the wall with these characters yeah yeah totally um i thought of something too that i want to kind of see what y'all think because we watched the hand that rocks the cradle uh-huh sam in this movie <gasps> yes is like almost the same as the guy yeah. in the hand that rocks the cradle well and that's why i made the joke about oh michael clark duncan yeah. it's like it's an archetype certain- yeah. yeah it's an archetype yeah sure. it is but this but like the lobotomized like childlike yeah. you know the guy that's kind of like keeping everything calm and together i don't know yeah i th- i think there's a and trope s- is the hero at the end especially it's- for like black men of like like a simple mind with this kind of like i mean in this case it's not supernatural but like deep intuition get, yeah. basically which is like a i don't know isn't that like the magical negro stereotype yeah. a little bit but this is he's not helping anybody yeah it's like a different <laughs> i mean no, she he's helping her yeah he helps her escape in the end yeah yeah it's a little icky I, feeling, it's it's but, icky, but I was like almost thinking like, oh, whoever made, I wonder if this influenced the person who made the hand that rocks the cradle, like just the idea of somebody going, wow, I was really inspired by Don't Look in the Basement, yeah, <laughs> and I want to include some of this stuff in like this weird ass movie I'm making. I don't know. That was going through my head. I think in general the movie has this like horror tradition of like being sympathetic to these people. But still exploiting them for yeah. horror. 100%. This is probably like my least favorite kind of. Like, I hate horror movies that use mental illness as like a scare tactic. And I do think it is sympathetic, but like, I don't know. I don't. I just think it's like hard for me to get over it to enjoy the film. Yeah. But there were a lot of like, I don't know. I still appreciated a lot of. But, moments in this but film. does it feel that much different like you know like we went and saw smile recently and hereditary oh like, it's a huge movies that trope. exploit like mental you know yeah. now it's like trauma practically every slasher is like an escape mental patient story yeah, yeah. it's like always got to be about like trauma like this is a metaphor for trauma i mean this feels like 
pretty earnest about what it is. It's just like, let's kind of exploit crazy people because they're crazy. I mean, now it's like dressed up in A24, like it's art, but it's not that much different. I mean, I think I think Smile is totally different from this. From I this? mean, yeah, because the, in really. the end, it's like all of the patients <laughs> in the institution are like, they become the villains and the. It almost and feels like Night of the Living Dead yeah, at the end, right? But exactly. With like mental asylum patients, and like I don't know. the the resolution in the end is he is. Can I can I say what I mean? This yeah. is spoil 70s. it for everyone. He, he please. kills all of the mental patients. Like everybody gets murdered with the same axe. Yeah, like that is the like smile is about the. It's like using mental illness as or using this. Um, supernatural thing as a metaphor uh-huh. for trauma between Irre- irresponsibly individuals. and dumbly i think yeah using it as like a metaphor okay like that's a more artsy way to do the exact same thing that i i mean i think this doing. movie is like absolutely making these patients into like the antagonists at the end like i i don't think it's the same thing you're still supposed to be scared of them yeah it's the same as like todd browning's freaks from the 30s where it's like the whole movie is like oh these are these outsiders that people have shunned and like kind of made into these you know people on the fringe and you know they're actually real people and just because they have these physical physical maladies doesn't mean that they're like actually monsters but at the end of the movie when they get their like revenge and they're crawling through the mud and like turning the main lady into a chicken sideshow character like those shots shoot them like they're the frankenstein monster right like, they become creepy yeah they're images. horrifying yeah i found smile irresponsible in different ways though. yeah <laughs> we never got smile. into it <laughs> there was that movie lights out a few years ago that like Is pissed that me off with the blind man <laughs> that's no, don't that breathe, don't breathe. Ha- it came Light- out around the same time oh, lights out it's about the the mom that has like schizophrenic yeah so in that movie, it makes it like heroic for her to like kill herself instead of burning her family, and then I felt like Smile kind of did a similar thing, where it was like actually the best thing you can do is just go away and isolate yourself, yeah. so no one else is infected with your mental yeah. illness, which right. I found like very offensive. Yeah, but like right. horror just like, kind of does that. No, you can't like nobody is there to support you. Right, like yeah. you have to completely um, deal with your shit by yourself and like destroy yourself to save the people around you. Wow. Yeah, no, that's 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 horrible but it's not using like oh look at this mentally ill person and how Mm -hmm. scary they are right yeah like which is like i have a really hard time with fair enough how do you feel the difference between this movie and the other side of the underneath so i think well and i was thinking about that because i i brought up a sanitarium movie because i think that film is sympathetic and it's from the point of view of the people Mm. in the sanity like it is showing their experience and then also how they're like they have this one scene with kind of a day-to-day moment in the lives of these women and it's showing how those like experience so it's not from the point of view of like the psychiatrist it's definitely from the point of view of the patients and i still think it's a little icky but it's at least like trying to get at you know why like what in the world is lending this psychosis basically like this is grounded in these people aren't insane like this is based on a sickness in the world in general the more i think about it the more this will come up later in this conversation with the last movie we're talking about Mm -hmm. Uh i almost want to skip over mine to get straight to it (laughs) uh i do want to note another 
similarity between what you said about the other side of the underneath too is like this is a very screechy movie yeah these characters screech and howl yes. the entire runtime yeah loud yeah and th- i think that's like what i don't like about this subgenre very much mm-hmm. like especially the texas chainsaw sequel the second one that's like more comical yeah is just like people just like howling and screaming the entire time it like really exhausts me the, it's chaotic the only, <laughs> only care no that like prankster character was the only one that really yeah. bothered me god that guy was annoying danny. danny you know who's built an entire career off of making movies exactly like this is rob zombie like this is his style of movie it's oh, like oh my totally god wait, right. wait i have to say when i was flying back from denver yeah when i got back i saw rob zombie in the airport <laughs> i swear to god what? stop it yeah are He's you in, serious? The, when I got back to New Orleans, <gasps> what airline Sunday, did he fly? Like, what is he? Well, do? I don't know what airline he was. Oh, I he was, was flying like, Frontier. How did you not mention that? I, I just now remember. <laughs> like, oh my I god! I meant to text you. Like, I didn't want to take a picture or anything, but it's yeah. like him with his children. Yeah. He's obviously Rob Rob Zombie. Like Fresh off of making afternoon. his monsters movie, a oh. collection oh, of that's so cool. isolated weirdos. God. Yeah, but no, yeah. it was definitely him at the New Orleans airport. Nice. But yeah, so um, yeah, don't look in the basement. <laughs> so, sorry, we got so Some simple track. life okay, advice I there. Say, I will say, I I did like the twist. I thought that so, and there was this I saw scene it coming, in the, but it was good. Yeah, there is this scene in the beginning where she's like, <laughs> Nurse Charlotte sits down with Doctor Masters, and they're going over the logistics of her employment, right. for, And the details for like five minutes, and I was like, what is the purpose? Right. of this scene like why is this happening and then it is made clear later when like it makes sense when you find out that dr masters yeah. is a patient of dr stevens and that like i th- i thought that that was a very fun Which twist i still think i still think that the nurse was a patient I like that. I, I go with that theory. I was thinking yeah. that the whole time. It like, might be more thought than the people who made the movie put into it, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, the, um, what are they called again? The brown rigs? I think there's some deep individuals. So um, I do know that in real life, she was a Playboy bunny, though, which is pretty yeah. cool. Good for Maybe her. Maybe that's why they were like, oh, forget this Playboy bunny. And like, we make her this like, well, one more quick thing about this is there's obviously like titties, but there's not a lot of flesh. It, it, no as compared yeah. to other like movies like this it almost felt like obligatory titties yeah like, where i'm like they have... have to come in at some yeah. point <laughs> she's a nymphomaniac and she like wants to fuck the cable man yes bearing well, her she, soul yeah she bears her breasts for judge too for oh, judge, loves yeah. the judge. Yeah. Well, I feel it was like the filmmakers were like, "All right, we need to have some tits in this movie. Right. We're just gonna have them out for a minute, right? You know." I do think this is like the most questionable one of like why it was banned. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a lot of nudity. There's not a lot of murder. I think it's literally just the presence of the axe. Like yeah. the same way that like some movies were banned for having a chainsaw on the cover of the box. I think I think just the fact that there are a couple axe murders in here. Yeah. Okay, there is one necrophilia moment. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually my oh, favorite you're right. my yeah, favorite shot a, of the entire that's movie. That's a nasty moment. There okay. you go. <laughs> when she's like in she's bed like, with the body. She's you're interrupting our honeymoon. Yeah, and she's, she's got blood like, oh, on her stick face. on. Yeah, yeah. That, that was That's why I love her actually. <laughs> yeah, that, that one was shot. great. Oh, Allison. Maybe the best composed shot in the entire movie too. Like that yeah. image sticks out to me more than most of Yeah, it's haunting. Yeah. yeah. Well, most of these movies are um 
left in their like grimy squalor. <laughs> like uh, you can watch them on YouTube in like low quality. You can watch them on other streaming services in the like same the quality. W- the way they were meant to be watched. Yeah, yeah. just like left in the gutter to rot. Yeah, uh, and they're most of them are on Tubi. Uh, the one I picked has been restored lovingly on <laughs> Shutter and like looks fancier than oh. the rest of these movies, uh, but actually is just as gross and dumb. <laughs> it's called Flesh for Frankenstein. Um, originally released as Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, even though he had no hand in the production in any way, really. <laughs> yeah, can you give us some more background on that? Because I was confused. Like, why is his name attached to this? Was that film? just like a selling point? Like, look how cool. It was from the same production style as his factory work. So, like, the same way that it was Andy Warhol's oh. Velvet Underground, even though he, mm-hmm. like, was not a musician and had nothing to do with their actual, yeah. like, music. Yeah. But he would, like, create a salon style atmosphere where people would hang out and make art and like he would stamp his name on stuff yeah so yeah he was kind of horrible like that where he would use people and take credit for a lot i kind of love it well so and what is that the actors the lead is it matheson do you know the director no, 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 the like the lead, ca- the main like male character who oh, comes to the. So he was this like gay icon mm-hmm. during that time, oh. and he was in one of Andy Warhol's other movies. So I think they had, and I think he, he might have taken a photo of him for Rolling Stone magazine. There's this like photo of that guy's like crotch and denim jeans and you can see his like dick bulging out so i feel like they kind of had some kind of relationship Is that not relationship oh, I was mm-hmm. was Robert yeah maplethorpe has a lot of bulge yeah. shots too yeah i think the director too um paul morrissey directed a lot of the andy warhol quote-unquote films um, yeah. so they might have been oh, part probably. of that collaboration too yeah paul morrissey to my shock reading up on him is not gay and to me, this is a gay camp film. Yeah. Um, including that actor and mm-hmm. Udo Kier specifically yeah. as Baron Udo von Frankenstein. Kier of <laughs> Swan Song. So that is oh a gay camp performance. Mm-hmm. Um, this was filmed in a castle in Europe. <laughs> and then uh. on its leftover budget, they filmed this extra movie called Blood for Dracula. Yeah. Which was also banned on the video nasties list for being associated with Flesh for Frankenstein. That's how like <laughs> that's how banned Flesh for Frankenstein was. Um, and in both films, Udo Kier is like the main hook. Like uh, in this one, he plays Frankenstein, and Dracula, he plays Dracula. I personally really liked Flesh for Frankenstein more. I watched both of them in a row. A lot of people enjoy the more tossed off, campy comedy quality of Blood for Dracula, which also has these like high contrast photographs of Udo Kier in the Dracula makeup Mm. with like blood dripping out of his mouth. So it's very pretty, but flesh for Frankenstein has a lot of like old fashioned gore. And by old fashioned, I mean like stage theater gore where Mm -hmm. it's basically like mannequins being decapitated and this like bright red acrylic blood spurting out of bodies, but also like actual organs. Yes. There's like like the 3d element. That I found fascinating. There's all these shots where I'm like, okay, I can tell that (laughs) is supposed to be shown in 3D, and it's obviously like a cow's organ or whatever, and it's disgusting. When Udo Kier is inevitably killed, it's through this like harpoon through his chest, and it has an animal organ on the end of it that comes straight at the camera. Best shot in the whole movie. It's great. Amazing. I thought this movie was very funny. Uh, He is married to his sister. 
Uh, <laughs> Already great. And their two children are in love with each other and scamper yep. about the castle and become little creeps in the corners <laughs> of the frame. Yeah. Um, and just in case you want to take the movie seriously, the kids are attacked by these like rubber bats on strings. Like the movie's very much telegraphing the fact that it's a comedy, even though it's really like gross and it's gore. Mm-hmm. The brother sister husband wife duo are sexually dysfunctional. Uh, the wife is very horny and has no outlet for this energy. Um, so she sort of just like hunts around the grounds of the castle trying to find other people fucking so she can shame them. And she eventually recruits the uh, most fuckingest person she can find to be her lover. Um, and also her husband, the mad scientist played by Udo Kier, is also trying to recruit the most fuckingest person on the grounds because <laughs> yes. uh, he is also not having sex, obviously. Uh, but he wants to create a master race, which I feel like is a little Nazi exploitation. Oh, that's exactly. I thought this may be the best Nazi exploitation yeah. film yeah. on this list. Because like, it's not overt. Like, yeah. I- I've seen a couple straight up Nazi right. exploitation. It's like the SS. Yeah. Yeah. The She-Wolf of the SS. No, this is like where it's at. He's trying to like create the perfect race like and it's like or something. yeah and he's yeah. like looking for people with the right nose and like the monsters he makes yeah, are sure. blonde haired like yeah. it's it's playing with that iconography without being overtly anti-semitic and even so he's a monster so whatever uh so he's trying to like find the the most worthiest uh horniest man on the premises <laughs> uh he mistakes at a brothel the horniest man for the chastest man because uh, they're best oh, the friends. the most boring man. Yeah. He's so uninterested in everything. Yeah. He has an inner life. <laughs> does, does he? He I wants to I've... become a chaste monk, I feel yeah. like, is his life. Oh, he did. <laughs> yeah. But he, yeah. Loves that, he loves that butt. He sees the butt. And he loves it. And he is decapitated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Frankenstein puts his head on his monster creation. He also has created a bride of Frankenstein. He tries to get them to fuck, but he got the wrong head. <laughs> and uh, that's probably the funniest scene is like, yeah, kiss. he keeps telling kiss. the uh, the bride him. of Frankenstein to kiss the monster. <laughs> and uh, they keep looking down for a boner that's not there. Yeah. Like, kiss him again. Okay. Kiss what him. are you waiting for? Kiss it's him. It's the most like plaintive kiss. Like, right. But, Sweet. Yeah. Oh. The, the rhythm of the kiss and then the, the disappointment <laughs> yeah. that there's the no, no boner, boner is yeah. very funny. <laughs> um, and then eventually everyone is eviscerated uh, <laughs> and disemboweled in the, the science lab. And the two children who are going to inevitably become incestuous mad scientists scamper off and do their thing. No, they like drag that guy up on yeah. the... They, they immediately take over the work. Yeah. As if yeah. left behind by the father. <laughs> yeah. The work to be father. done. And I just thought this was like a very funny 60s style sex comedy that was like out of date by the time it was made. Like this is like this is like 70s doing 60s camp, uh, but with all this extra disgusting fucking gore, like the scenes of Baron Frankenstein, when he does have sex, he like opens this like nasty scar on the bride's womb and then rapes it. It reminds me of like... Was it what's their movie where they this guy fucks a scar? Crash, maybe? Oh no, yeah, Crash Cronenberg. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, when the assistant is like licking the He like wound. performs cunnilingus on cunnilingus her wound. Cunnilingus on the yeah. wound. That reminded me a lot of Crash. Yeah. It's, it's fucking disgusting. And like when you watch this you're like, I understand why this was banned. It's basically softcore porn <laughs> with some beheadings. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
but it's also i think pretty funny yeah like, it's very it's oh very God. entertaining yeah it feels it made me feel so strange where it's like it's funny but it's disgusting and disturbing but like light funny too yeah. like all at the same time it, where yeah. of all the of these crop of movies the most entertaining by yeah. a yeah. mile i mean hmm. it's very unique yeah. Come on. <laughs> in my eye, if I'm being honest, I think these movies are gradually getting better as we're talking about them. We're going to end on the best one. Oh. Well, the best one as far as art of film is yeah, concerned. Yeah. This is trash. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh <my laughs> it's God. like really entertaining trash. Just like the German accents killed me. That oh, like yeah. scene of this extremely long table and they're like sitting and i love that they refer to the the main couple refers to themselves interchangeably as like my wife and my, my sister. sister and my <laughs> husband and my brother but they're at this long table and it's like going back and forth between yeah. them and it's empty and they're just like being haughty in german and and then it was so funny to me that the horny man that the Baroness recruits as her like fuck boy. It, it just has like a New Jersey accent. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, what? Hey, my friend, I saw his head on it on this guy's head. What's the matter with that? And yeah, then, you know, it was it was just like absolutely delightful. It's the resident sex idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the way you talk about the accents makes me think of this as like a precursor to Young Frankenstein now, which I don't think is that yeah. far yeah. off. It's yeah. not as zippy though. Like there's a lot of like long drawn out sequences. Right. Yeah. Where it I don't want to say it takes the violence seriously, but it like pretends to be a real horror movie for like yeah. a couple minutes at a time. Yeah. And then Udo Kier starts like chewing the scenery. You're like, okay, this is just supposed <laughs> to be funny. This is my work. I will make the perfect <laughs> man and the perfect woman. To understand death, you must fuck life in the gallbladder. <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, I don't know if that's true. I don't think so. That is one of the best lines of yeah. any film. It, it really made me think. <laughs> put, something to put on your tombstone. That's right. Did, did y'all watch uh, Blood for Dracula by any chance? Uh-uh. Okay. No. This is extracurricular, but I'm going to describe <laughs> the plot of this one, too. Uh, he he has to go get virgin blood, and he can't find any more in Transylvania because he's killed all the virgins. So he goes to Italy, where this castle is, where they filmed both these movies, and um, he cannot find virgins in Italy just because the women <laughs> are, you know promiscuous yeah and then there's this marxist uprising guy in the castle who's like trying to overthrow this aristocratic vampire who's like invaded <laughs> all the local like uh oh, women and brothels great. and stuff not as much happens in that one i feel like all the gore effects that ate up the budget were like already used up in yeah this one um the most you get <laughs> in blood for dracula is udo kier biting these women's necks realizing they're not virgins and then throwing up the blood for like <laughs> minutes on end which is funny too yeah uh, that's so great it's also a good movie um I, I just happen to prefer this one yeah um it seems like y'all had a fun time yeah. with it yeah, yeah. okay yeah. that's good really it was enjoyed it. wild as a very minor note like they go to a brothel and that's how Frankenstein finds them. He's like, we must go to the brothel that I went to as a medical student. It was disgusting. Uh, no, Nobody <laughs> could match my sister. Uh, so he's like waiting outside the brothel and the um, like the lead guy and his like very chaste friend go in and it's just the most like 
it's the cutest, like most bohemian brothel I've ever seen. It's the only normal people yeah. in the movie. Yeah, they're like like <laughs> the crocheted, like colorful quilts and these like beautiful, happy women. I was like, oh, this is great. It's a pretty funny gag too. Like the way he gets them confused is uh right. he sees two women emerge from the brothel mm-hmm. and he's like he had sex with two women at once. He must be the strongest, <laughs> most virile man here. Uh, he is unstoppable. I don't know. Fun retro camp with like some surprising, disgusting gore mixed in. Like I was actually like disgusted by yeah. the animal organs. And- oh yeah. yeah, especially like probably they rip open the rib cage and Ugh. multiple organs are falling out. And yeah. then there's that shot where like obviously again meant for 3D. Where the camera's like looking up and the organs are falling straight into the camera. You're like, oh my God, it's so gross. Like, again, like, okay, if it's early 80s, I could see why a British censor would be like, yeah, fuck that. That's going on the video nasty. But besides the gore stuff, like, it's. It's, it's pretty movie. fun. It's, it's cute. Like, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's cute. I was I had eating a really good time ramen noodles for dinner while I was watching. Oh it. no! It was very, like, <laughs> it, it, oh, like when all the disembowelment started happening. I, <laughs> but I mean, I was hungry, so I just kept eating it. And it is funny that like Andy Warhol's like filmmaking division is like these. Well, I don't know, like twelve-hour shots of the Empire State Building and these like you know impossible art house like experiments. And then this, which is just like total trash. <laughs> it's right. just like a Beautiful goofball garbage. sex comedy with like yeah. animal organs in it, <laughs> which really is like the bottom of the barrel as far as like gore artistry goes. Instead mm-hmm. of like making the stuff yourself, just like creating a body cavity and then spilling real life organs out of it. Like that is so lazy. <laughs> oh, but it's so effective. Oh, yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes I it was grosser. squirming. Yeah. Well, I want to get to the last movie because it's obviously the best one we're talking about. <laughs> yes. Okay. So my pick was The Witch Who Came from the Sea, which was directed by Matt uh, Simber, I believe, in 1976. Um, the associate filmographer was Dean Cundy, who uh, did a lot of stuff with John Carpenter, too. I, th- mm. I think this is one of his like earlier films. So He also shot Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, he did, and wow. he framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, Ooh. The, yeah. So he, uh, this was one of his early films. So this is a little factoid. Um, so this is about a woman named Molly who lives in Venice Beach, and she's a bartender. Uh, she's an alcoholic, and she, uh, it it kind of follows her a series of like romantic affairs that she has that end in violence while she is processing this very deep childhood trauma um her father was a sea captain and she like like really idolizes him her sister is like says he was abusive like a horrible man and she kind of continues to idolize these men that she sees especially on tv like football players this guy in like film stars this guy in an advertisement um and she pursues them and then like they kind of end up dead and we see her uh murder some of them and like people are like the police are on her tail eventually like they're following these murders and it's leading them to her and she's kind of like growing an awareness of what she's doing and what's happening and and also realizing like what happened to her as a child with her father. 
Um, I thought this was a super interesting movie. There's a lot of really cool, like, beautiful iconography. They talk about the myth of the birth of Venus, who was born when her father was castrated and, like, the balls were cast off into the sea and it was, like, born this witch. And she's the daughter of this, like, abusive sea captain. So she kind of, like, sees a parallel between that story and then she has these like violent feelings towards these men that she uh that she idolizes which also mirrors like her feelings towards her father uh there's this like badass tattoo in this movie she gets this sick tattoo of a it mermaid covers, like half her on body her chest. is that a badass tattoo I, you know what, Brandon? I like this tattoo. I, I mean, it's a little I, amateurish, but it's no, it's but I, badass. It's the tattoo you'd expect to get from a guy named Jack Dracula. Yes, out of the Jack Dracula. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, the, there was something that, like, I found really like beautiful in this amateur, like, absolutely, like the line work is not good, but it is this like it's very raw. Yeah, it reminds me of like. You know, like something you would see in like a Grecian artifact or something yeah. like that, like very old school. Yeah, and I feel like that does kind of call to this like old feeling of trauma being like done upon the skin again. Like it's, and it, you know, it's like old sailor tattoos exactly. too. Like they yeah. weren't, you know, like these pristinely um, technical drawings. Um, so yeah, I, th I thought that this was w one thing that I noticed while we were watching these video nasties and like, maybe not like in some cases, the ones that we watched, but also the ones that me and James were watching initially is like how much of these movies were exploring like repression and like repressed trauma and how that was like such a fixture in the seventies of like cathartic therapy um and i just thought this was a i don't know i think you could read this as a like anti-feminist film but i felt like it was really grappling with her experience mm -hmm. and even though she is you know obviously a murderer like i felt like it was kind of um working with her trauma in a way that was interesting to me what's potentially anti-feminist about it well I, so I was like reading a couple of different opinions about the film and there was this one there was one person that was like the these women are portrayed as like psychotic basically. Okay. But I mean I do feel like they're not portrayed as like intrinsically psychotic. It's built out of like real experience. Yeah, I, I lumped it into like the driven mad by the patriarchy yeah, exactly. dramas like uh women under the influence or yeah. um Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of other ones. Uh, Puzzle of a Downfall Child. Like that kind three of like women, maybe? three women. Yeah. yeah. That's sort of like 70s. Like I've lost my mind. I've gone crazy, but with very good reason because right. everything in my life is like driving me to that. Yeah. Point. And she she does have people in her life that love her and are very sympathetic to her up and like until the very her. end. Yeah. Tad. Tad and Tripoli. Tad and Tripoli. Just, oh, the dumbest names. Pete's those names to herself <laughs> over and, and over again. And they're so yeah. bad. And I, I, she does have one relationship. <laughs> so I love it. 
It's so dumb. Awful. You would never. Nobody would name. But it becomes this weird mantra. Like she just like does after while. Says it to like ground herself. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I really liked about the like she does murder a lot of these men that she has sex with, but and she cuts their wieners, right? Yeah, I was about to say like we should mention the mechanism with how she kills them. Oh yeah, yeah. She castrates them with a straight razor, with like a shaving razor. Yeah, which which also um like mimics the the venus myth but she doesn't do that with every man in her life like she has a very real relationship with i think his name's old old jack he's long like the john. Bar- long john long, yeah. Oh, long john yeah long john yeah he's the uh he's the owner of the bar that she works in and they have they're lovers and they have a long standing and he is kind of like a fatherly figure to her in a real way but like I mean, basically, she, she does have, like, kind of loving relationships. I think she, like, seeks out icons of masculinity. Yeah. So, like, she sees a commercial with a super square-jawed guy who's shaving. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to kill that motherfucker. <laughs> she doesn't know that she's thinking that, but right. it's, like, the first thing that yeah. happens. Or, like, she's at the beach and she sees muscle brutes, like, working on oh, the equipment. Oh, my God, that, that first is scene And they so have the biggest... Good veiniest bulges yeah. in their like little speedos that right. you've ever seen in your entire life and she's and she just imagines them being eviscerated yeah um football players like b- basically what you would think of as like a male role model yeah type is like oh and that, that that's what she, she has like the threesome with the two guys yeah, this, like that's good stuff that's good <laughs> that is good stuff yeah there's a lot so there's a lot of good stuff in this movie it's a lot of like the psychological horror mm-hmm. that has become popular in the last, I don't know, like 20, 30 years. And again, like kind of like with possession, I question like, why was this ever on the video? Nasty. Cause it's just like good high art mm-hmm. psychological horror shit. And it just confounds me. Like why this ever. I, I think a male, male, female threesome in a movie in this era is going to push buttons. Yeah. The, was it the genital the castration. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. Uh, when she cuts dicks, I, this is my favorite detail. Uh, <laughs> like it shows her like going in. So it doesn't really cut away. It doesn't show you the genitals, but like it shows like her arm motion. And then it cuts to a shot of the blood spurting like sperm Pew. onto like yeah. her clothes, yeah. which is like really, Hot. really hey. grimy. I love it. <laughs> it's someone's kink somewhere. I honestly think I misunderestimated this movie when I reviewed it in February and I um, gave it four and a half stars. <laughs> like I think I, like I shorted it a half a star yeah. when I first watched it because it's like very dreamlike. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dream- yeah. And it was hard to tell how much of what it was doing is intentional. Mm-hmm. The movie feels drunk and she keeps yeah. getting yes. blackout drunk and committing these crimes and like sort of piecing together what might have happened yeah. after the fact. And her performance feels very unregulated in the same way. Like the way she delivers lines, she's like, I don't know if I can believe something unless I see it on television. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so off putting and weird that like, I loved it the first time I watched it, but I wasn't fully confident in where it was going, I guess. And, like, watching it a second time, I just found it deeply sad and, like, angering. and Yeah. 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 It's so... And I just felt for her so much, like, so deeply. So vulnerable. Yeah. The flashbacks of when she was, like, younger and, like, all that weird crap with her dad. Yeah. Like, when she finds him naked in the closet or she's, like, sitting on her lap and it's, like, 
he's she's sitting on his lap and it's like there's a really long scene where she's like bouncing on i'm like oh my god it's like she getting molested at this point and you just like zoom in on her face the scene where with him like on top of her is one of the most like disturbing maybe that's why it was banned maybe it's one of the most disturbing child molestation scenes i've ever seen in a movie and that is really hard to watch so i think in the beginning like she's saying that he was lost at sea but so you find out throughout the course of the film that he molested her like throughout her childhood and then he died um, having a heart attack while raping her. her. Yeah. God. So, like, and I do feel like the way that she enacts that is, yeah. like, I mean, that feels not real in the sense that, like, people do that all the time, but the, like, idolization tied with the, like, repulsion and hatred of what masculinity means to you. Yeah. It's it's very justified misandry yeah. that she has going on here. Well, and I think, you know, what you were saying, Brand- like, the thing that I like about this in the context of other video nasties, and I think Possession has a little bit of this, too, like, she is the murderer, but she's also, like, the sympathetic character. In the- mm-hmm. Like, I like that she is not the, like scary antagonist like you are supposed to see the film from her perspective yeah, you empathize with yeah. her it's there, not there yeah. aren't a lot of slashers where the last scene is your community gathering around yeah. the killer to like gently send them off into the next world you know right. like yeah it's a very um unusual treatment of the killer in well these i like that too that like it's like we're seeing everything through her eyes but she is like an unreliable narrator because she's mm-hmm. getting blackout drunk every night but it's sort of like that's like you were saying like not necessarily dream logic but drunk logic through trauma and it's like trippy and interesting and like very deep emotionally and definitely up there as far as these video nasties go i mean i think this is the kind of thing you're looking for when you put yourself through this shit like (laughs) Whenever you like watch a bunch of cheap 70s horror stuff you're like kind of steal yourself like okay i'm gonna watch them like gnarly shit but every now and then there's this like diy low budget thing that like really hits a raw nerve and like Hmm. transcends the limits of its budget and like really reaches for something bigger than that like this is this is the promised land like this is like what you're looking for when you watch that kind of stuff and this isn't a genre that i don't particularly care for like there's not that much different as far as like genre terms go from this and uh i spit on your grave right which uh, has the same mechanism of like castration as like revenge for these like rapes but i don't know this one's like so much smarter and so more emotionally more involved in- yeah. And- right yeah. yeah yeah and it's a, it is about her experience as opposed to, and there are you see scenes of her with her father it probably takes up like two minutes of the entire film you know the most of it is about her processing and trying to come to grips with her it's a lot own of focus experience. on her though even yeah exactly sh- scenes of her as a kid like right. i feel like we're drilled into her face and her yeah expression mm-hmm. her emotions it's never like titillating yeah in any way no. or intended to be it's always absolutely disgusting yeah i don't know i found the threesome a little hot no no no, no right no, no, no. that was of 
course, yeah, of course, were, like, Brandon. That was very yeah, yeah. No. if everybody was down, like <laughs> yeah. it's cool. Like whatever, man. Yeah. No, scenes with her and her father, disgusting. <laughs> scenes with the sadomasochistic threesome, very hot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Even including the end where she cuts her dicks <laughs> off. <laughs> Still into it. Okay, so like I want to say, even though these are all American films from before the video era, that this still feels representative of what I think of when I think of video nasties. But I, I watched so. a lot fewer of these than you did. No, I, I think this one was like the like as good as it gets. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, But, you know, we also touched on like Flesh for Frankenstein is the little more schlocky comedy, but very gross style. I mean, we have already seen cannibal holocaust and like yeah. how really vile that the italo cannibal stuff like that that's like a bridge too far for me yeah and it's not it's like animal abuse and like othering cool. of like other cultures and stuff and, and yeah we didn't we didn't talk about like softcore nazi porn thank um, god thank god <laughs> future yeah. episode not, next week no it, not, <laughs> i watched one tuned. or two and you know like they're not very good um and we, we went into the grindhouse area with Fight for Your Life. Yeah. And I feel like Don't Go in the Basement covers a little bit of that Texas Chainsaw quality. Yeah, yeah. that's like a little grindhouse exploitation horror. But yeah, the like video nasty is so like a wide ranging sort of idea about what is nasty and should be banned or whatever. But this was a nice little mix of movies we picked here. It's such a foreign idea to me that like an adult can't access something. Like yeah, banning something so that a children a child couldn't see right. it makes sense to me. I guess like I I didn't really have that yeah. level of censorship as a child. That would piss me off though. Like, I'm grown. Like, yeah, I can watch these. Filthy I can movies. be drafted in a war. I should be able to right? watch. Don't look in the basement. Like right. you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Could like you imagine. Yeah, but I guess if the fear and what maybe happened at the time was it was kind of an unregulated things where kids were getting their yeah like if you walked in to your kid's room and they were watching even don't look in the basement <laughs> you might give it a pause like wait a second how'd you get your hands on right this? so i you know i maybe get a little bit of the uproar none of us have children but i would like to think we would be the type of parents that would Allow the child to view stuff like that, but have a conversation about it afterwards. Yeah, you know? I feel but, like but I would have... be like, "Why are you watching this in your room and not on the big screen?" Yeah, baby? <laughs> right. surround. This down. could be a family night. <laughs> like, and as like a child-free person, I'm like, whatever. But as a parent, like, wouldn't you like know what your kids? I don't know. Like, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you're under the age of like 13, like I would hope that you know where your kids at and like what uh, they're, they're watching. They're watching doing. Jordan Peterson like MRA videos on YouTube by the True, house. true. <laughs> yeah, that would frighten me. Right, I right. would be like, okay. I mean, as a parent, I guess you want some control over what your kids watch. I mean, I don't want yeah. my 12 year old watching Cannibal Holocaust. Like, I need right. some say in that. Yeah. But and then you're just like, hey, this movie called Hannibal, Cannibal Holocaust. I mean, for me, like, you can't watch that until you're like 15. I don't know. 15, like, for me, <laughs> I'm pretty hands off. Like, I don't know, wait till you're 14, 15 to watch it. But yeah, censorship for the most part is bullshit. But I, I also don't know if it like works. 
it doesn't. Yeah, you like know, I just that's what this I makes it more like, titillating, right? Like exactly. Like I wanted to watch R-rated movies when I was in elementary school because I couldn't, so I did. You right. know, it's like if I was a parent, I don't think that I would. Oh yeah, if I if these movies are censored, they're never going to get their but hands I, I think on that's them. what these video nasties did. Like. They had mm-hmm. underground screenings. Yeah. They had like, it almost made them cooler. Yeah. yeah and they I, are cool. That's the thing. Like, yeah. This list of movies, like, a lot of these movies aren't good, but they're cool because they're nasties. Like, right. ooh, they're I'm watching banned. the video nasties. Yeah. Like, it feels so dangerous. And that's like what censorship does. Same thing with like banning heavy metal records because yeah. they had satanic lyrics. Yeah. Like, Fuck yeah. I want to listen to that shit because it's cool. Right. Yeah. If you don't have a wide release of something and then you're floating in a sea of like kind of schlock, then the only like that's a way to differentiate yourself. Yeah. Like, get banned on purpose. Right. And then yeah. people want to buy you covertly behind the counter. Oh my God. Yeah. What if that was what video nasties were? What if it was like, we're going to do this to make them cooler? I think that, some people did no, use it as a marketing tool. Yeah. yeah. I was reading that like. Yeah. Especially with the covers, like they tried to throw a chainsaw or an axe on there. Throw a chainsaw, put a titillating title on there, try oh. to get, get on the, the video nasty banned. list to make it mm. like titillating. <laughs> it's and just it's just like I don't know, like yo play using slang. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, this is how we're gonna get the and then it becomes like meaningless. <laughs> you <Yo> know? play? <laughs> yeah, yo I need an example that, of this. That, well, that was the first brand that came oh, to mind. Are you talking like corporate Twitter? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, That's yeah. what I'm okay. saying. Oh. Not sp- I feel like YoPlay is the worst example. I, I was got, like, what did they I'm, do? I think <laughs> they've just, <laughs> they've just stuck to like middle-aged <laughs> women. Oh, or that's Activia. Right. Oh, um, yeah. That's uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. Did anyone Their watch yogurt? the new Halloween? I saw it. Yes. No. It was all right. So It will kill. And we could cut this out, but real quick, I texted Brandon because when Halloween Ends came out, um, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion was being filmed, Mm -hmm. and Jamie Lee Curtis was on like an episode (gasps) for her charity, and then she showed up at the reunion. Oh my god! And they were so like they were sweating for Halloween Ends, like she was like it kept putting it put jamie lee curtis on the screen halloween ends like that's what she's known Mm -hmm. for and then she came out with pumpkins with all the housewives carved in the (gasps) pumpkins as gifts for them she's like i love all you guys here you go as a gift and happy halloween and they're like hey everyone uh halloween ends is gonna be in theaters like it was this huge promo thing Mm. yeah which (laughs) never happens in a reunion so anyway, I it will worked. say they recreated it. one of the most iconic images from that show, which is the uh, lady yelling at a cat. Uh, they they <laughs> really recreated that image in the movie oh, yes. during the bar fight scene. Yes. Um, housewives okay. is everywhere. The video nasties talk will continue next week. I don't know if the housewives talk will. It will be I'll back. Make it. <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere. They're embedded in film. We can't but escape it. I happen to watch another movie besides Evil Speak that was also in the video nasties list because it's such a wide reaching list yeah. of films that like you'll just happen upon them whether or not you're like seeking them out. Mm-hmm. But I, I recently watched uh, Lucio Fulci's The Beyond. Ooh, oh, uh, set we in Louisiana. We watched that one. Yeah. It's really cool. It's very strange. And yeah. I honestly did not know how to write about it. So I, my solution was podcast. Yeah, yeah. talk about <laughs> it. Talk about Make other it. people watch it with me. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a strange movie. I've been wanting to watch it for years because it's it was filmed in New Orleans. It mm-hmm. seemed like it was essential. But uh, yeah. now's the time. Man, that yeah. last shot, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's awesome. 
So look out for that conversation next week. And then we'll have one more episode probably out on Halloween day. <gasps> cool. Uh, and then we will talk about another genre, I promise. <laughs> I don't know what it'll be, but, but we got to get in this horror stuff. Yeah, you got to cram it in while we can. Yes. And then we'll go right back to horror like two episodes after that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.